Jesus and who's my neighbor? See, this is the question that the church has to ask itself. Because we have gotten to an issue of my neighbor is only going to be the people I'm cool with. I'm just going to be neighbors with the people who I, I, I think you're all right. We have in Holland Park, some of us, if we roll in Holland Park today, you know it's been a phone call already made about how did you get over there. Some of us have been, if it's somebody who is white going to South Dallas, we're like, now what you doing over here? Because is that really my neighbor? Then we even have our family, right? We got people in our family we cool with, and some people in our family, uh-uh. You know, if some people in your family call you right now, you're like, I don't pick up the phone call for Uncle So-and-so, because you know Uncle So-and-so always trying to hustle somebody. Or Uncle So-and-so, he did me, da-da-da. Some folks we are neighbor with because you know what? We love them to death. We would do anything for them. But that's where the heart of this issue, when we dig even deeper, that God is calling us as a church, not just as individuals, but as a church, to dig deeper. To dig deeper and say, who truly is my neighbor? So Jesus replied with a story. And he talks about, go to the next slide. He talks about, stay right there. He talks about a certain man. Let me turn this off for a second. I'm going to go to my, to the. He, he talked about a certain man that was going down from Jerusalem. And I, I'm in uh, Luke. Y'all want to come back with me? We're in Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, And a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off, living, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to a place and saw him, he passed by when he saw him. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and when he saw him, he felt compassion. He came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He put on, he, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. What more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. The first thing that we got to talk about is that Jericho Road. See, the Jericho Road, if we really look at it, we have so many things on the Jericho Road, right? We have so many things on the Jericho Road, right? See, the Jericho Road, for us, see, the Jericho Road, first of all, is a place of danger. The Jericho Road, in itself, for us, we have seen police come out. That's a Jericho Road. When you see a shooting happen, that's a Jericho Road. The Jericho Road is a place where you see danger, where anybody can come upon you. That's the Jericho Road. So when you see the Jericho Road, then you see the next thing. See, so uh, police can have the shooting, but you could be on Jericho Road because you got in a car accident. You on the Jericho Road because you lost your money. All the people that got hit at Target, all the people that got 70 million or more than 100 million, all the people that got hit at Neiman Marcus, all the people that continually to get hit, you on the Jericho Road. Your money getting funny because folks get into your bank account. Even uh, if you watch Atlanta Housewives, even Phaedra got to look at her husband because he even getting charged up on bank fraud and identity theft. That's a Jericho Road. 
See, the Jericho Road when somebody's calling you from jail. I need you to bail me out. That's a Jericho Road. It's a Jericho Road when you lost your job. It's a Jericho Road when you been to the doctor. And the doctor tell you a diagnosis and you don't know what's going to happen. That's a Jericho Road. And so then, here, Martin Luther King Jr., on his last sermon, talked about the Good Samaritan. And the truth is, when you read the story, there, there is no Good Samaritan, right? It doesn't say, and the Good Samaritan. That's like saying the Good Black. It's almost a little like, hold up, brother. I ain't the good black. I'm just black. You know, but we put that on there. So Martin Luther King Jr., on his last sermon, when you look at it, when you talk about, I seen, I went to the mountaintop. He talks about the good Samaritan. And he brings this illustration out. He said the good Samaritan did not care about his own self. He cared about what was going to happen to that person. He said, if I don't stop, who will stop? And he used that analogy for himself. I don't live in Memphis. I'm not from Tennessee. And he said, I know I've heard some death threats on my life. That's when he goes into, but I fear no man. That's when he goes into, I've been to the mountaintop. I may not get there with you, but I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. So he even was on a Jericho road. Because when you're on a Jericho road, it looks perilous. It looks like nothing good is about to happen. So this young person, this, this person, this Jewish man who's on Jericho road. When, when we get into that, it says, and he replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem's high up. So you got to go down. It's about uh, 17 miles, but the drop is about 4,000 feet. So when you ever go up, you ever been in a plane or you're going up to a high peak, your ears start to pop, right? So when you start going down, you can feel like you're on a roller coaster. It ain't the way up that's getting you scared. It really not. That's the anticipation. We going up and it starts clicking. Click, 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 click. It's when you get to that peak, and you, especially you sit on the front. Anybody sit on the front of the roller coaster? See, that's when you know you're a gangster. Thank you. You know you're a gangster when you sit in the front of the roller coaster. You sit in the back of the roller coaster, you ain't nothing. You ain't doing nothing. You sit in the front because you've seen it all come to you. See, that drop was 4,000 feet, and he was walking down to Jericho. And when he walked down to Jericho, it was already known as a bloody pass. And he was robbed. He was robbed. He was beaten. It, it, it talks about that he was robbed and they stripped him. They just didn't rob him. You know, some people would just rob you, take your, your money, but they beat him up. They left him dead. They took his clothes. They left him for dead. See, that's the Jericho Road. See, Jericho Road is something that you have to endure by yourself. Where you have become the victim. See, many of us in our life, we have lived the Jericho Road. Some of us may be living it right now. You're living the Jericho Road because you are all by yourself. You feel like you're all by yourself. You've been living a certain way. And things are starting to, the things you sown are starting to come, starting to reap up, starting to blossom. You might have been sowing some alcohol. Now you're alcoholic. You might have been sowing some drugs. Now you're a drug addict. You might have been sowing some pornography. Now you're a porn addict. You might have been sowing some anger. Now ain't nobody want to talk to you and be with, around you. You see, you've been sowing some things, and now you're all alone because of the thing that you have sown into the Jericho Road is coming up. And, that, and what is it doing? It's robbing you of your blessing. It's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your way. It's robbing you of 
of your destiny. It's up here, and when it robs you, we understand when sin robs you, it comes to destroy you. It talks about Satan came to kill and destroy. It came to destroy you. See, sin has come to destroy you. And so you're on this Jericho road, a life of life, and it's come to destroy you. And you know what sin does? See, because sin is a hustler. Sin comes and like, it's going to be all right. Sin will have you in somebody's bed, and the next morning, you don't know where anybody is. Sin will have you out there by yourself, and you are alone. So, so what happens when we pass that point? We pass that point, and we, when we go to our, our leaders. See, it talks about that it was a certain priest. A certain priest. Go to my next slide. Let's go to that scripture. And, and, and I want to start right there for a second. The priest, in today's terminology, will be your pastors. The leaders of your church. The, the priests. The holy men. The educated men. These are the, the priests. And so, when we get to that scripture, it says... A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed the other side. Now, you ever had some folks look at you and they didn't see you? You ever done that too? You ever? Appreciate you. It was sounding good to me. We made up more meat than the mic. But, uh, but you ever have seen somebody you didn't really want to talk to? I, I did that Friday. I went to an office, and I really didn't want to talk to the gentleman because I knew if I talked, it was 5 o'clock. If I saw him, I wasn't going to leave out till 6 o'clock. I said, I'm going to go all the way around because I'm just trying to drop out something. I'm going to go all the way back around, and, and I'm going to say hi and keep moving to the other people. They see me. Well, I saw Mark, but then he just left out. Because I was trying to get home on a Friday. But if I knew I went straight, I would what? I was going to get stopped and be in there at 6 o'clock. Now I'm getting a phone call. So where are you? Well, uh, I'm in here in this office. and uh, So because I went around that other way, I could leave at 510. Now, now think about this, this uh, priest. The priest is going down the same road. He sees the man. Now remember, the man is Jewish. The man is his brethren. The man is his people. It's like me saying, me the pastor. I saw one of the congregation out here. They, they were stopped on the side of the road, and I just like, uh. Not only did I just look, this is what the man did. He went to the other side. See, I... See, Jesus in the, in, the, in the Greek, he wants you to understand, not that he just saw him and ignored him. He saw him and got on the other side. So it's, it's like me saying, you know what, I see you. I might even want to U-turn it around so you don't even really see me. See, some of us who are church leaders have done that. Well, what you mean, preacher? I mean, when we see folks struggling, when we have seen drug addiction and we don't offer any programs, we have turned around. We have got to the other side. When we see alcoholism happening in our community and we get to the other side and we do nothing about it and we got to the other side we have turned around we have not addressed the issues when we see that in our own african-american community when fathers fathers in a household only out of ten children only three of them are gonna be in the house and we as a church don't try to undergird and sustain our men and don't try to have things for our men don't try to reach our men we're just like well they, that's what they want to do we have failed. We have got to the other side. See, God has asked us to interject ourselves into the lives of the world. But what we do, we go hide in our fortress. 
See, the priest has his priestly clothes on. He ain't got no jumpsuit on. You know, it's just like when you see the preacher, he always got his suit in town. That's cool. But see, if you can't get dirty, if you can't get your hands dirty, then you ain't doing nothing. You're not a real minister. And understand what I tell you, church, in the Bible, there's no such thing as reverend. You're not going to find it in the Bible. That's a man creation. The only thing that's been reverend is God. There is no reverend for man. So what am I saying? God has called us to be ministers. What does that mean? To be servants to the people. See, when I'm saying I'm a reverend, you're supposed to uplift me, put me up on a pedestal. But if I'm a minister, I'm supposed to be lifting you up. You see the difference? We got to get out of the mindset of being a reverend and a minister. We got to get a mindset of me being lifted up and me lifting you up, me serving you. So, so this, this priest, he said, I got to go to the other side. I ain't want to do it. We could get into the whole, well, maybe he was scared. Maybe he thought other people were there. Maybe he would get jumped. Maybe the guy was just hustling him and he was going to get up and, and get on him. How big is your God? See, too many times we get scared and scared of everybody. Yesterday, and we were just about to go to the next point. Yesterday, I'm at the gas station with my son. My son is two. At the gas station with my son, son in the back seat. I pull up in the gas pump and I, I see somebody who I know that guy. I know this man. I get out to pump the gas and the man says, Hey, you from North Park? You know, by love feel. I say, yeah. He said, oh, and we started talking. I'm like, I do know him. He then says, can you give me a ride? Now, I was like, now with my, in my head, I'm like, now with my son in the car. He said, are you going back to M. Thicket? I said, no, nah, I'm going this. <laughs> Wherever this is, on this. Okay. And he proceeds to get in the car. And while he get in the car, the girl who does not want to take him somewhere is not yelling at him. And, not in a, a, and the conversation cannot be repeated in church. It was like, boo, boo. Won't you get your boo, boo? So I, I get my son. We proceed on home. I, and when I get home, I know what I'm about to preach about the next day. See, this is how God says you're going to live what you're going to preach. So, so we, I get home. I say, Kelly, I need to go back. I need to go get him. She's like, oh, he's... I said, I need, I need to go. Do you know him? I don't know him. I knew him when I was like five. I don't know him. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know him. I knew him when I was five. That was 25 years ago when I knew him. I don't know him now. He could be strapped. He could have warrants. He could be a part of cartel. I don't know. But I know God is calling me to step into life. So she's like, all right, go on then. So I, I drive back. I drive back. And he's still in the car. She's still fussing. This is about 20 minutes later. They still at the same pump. And I do this. He gets up like he happy, like, thank you, Lord. We proceed to drive back to the neighborhood and have a conversation. I just let him talk, let him vent. And what I understood, because I'm also a lawyer, you got to help people get out of the high-pressure situations. See, sometimes there's no way of escape, and so you do some dumb stuff. You do some dumb things. All your friends stealing, you're like, well, I guess I got to steal too. Now, you got caught on the camera while all your friends got away. Because you're in a high pressure situation. If you had somebody to grab you, to pull you out the fire, 
you might not got burnt. So I said, you know what? He'll catch him a case at the gas pump. Let me catch him out the fire. And so you're going to get in my car. God, we drove back. He's talking all this. Let him just talk. And we're talking about things and all that. And at the end, and, and right before he said, well, right, right before this thing I'm about to say, he said, man, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm about to go get me a joint. I said, well, I wanted to invite you to church. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You got to meet people where they are. See, I, I, I got to get my hands dirty. I can't be like, well, brother, don't you know that marijuana? Your mind going to be messed up. You're going to lose your memory. No, no, no. That, that's not the time for that sermon. The time for this sermon is, I know you're going through, but I know somebody who cares about you. And I gave him a call, and I invited him to, to, to victory. He said, I ain't going to be there this Sunday. I said, that's fine. But I'll be there next Sunday. That's fine. And, and what am I saying? We as church leaders got to interject ourselves in the lives where you are, not where you get cleaned up too. Too many times we won't put down the beer can, but I need to talk to you while you got the beer can in your hand. Because we got to talk to the reality of your situation, not in the fantasy of what you think you are. So then we go to our next point. After we talk about the church leaders, we talk about the members. See, there was a Levite. Let's go to the Levite. Now, let me give you a little background on the Levite. The Levites... Or are the same family of the priests. All priests are Levites, not all Levites are priests. So what does that mean? Levites are a priestly line. Levites are church going. They, they, if you are born of the Levites, you in church. You help out in the church. These are church members. See, we have come to a point where it talks about, and so too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. See, it's one thing the church leaders are messing up, but they're not church members. See, do you understand that most people come to church by a personal invitation of you? It's not by knocking on the door. It's not by letters. It's not by the TV. It's not by the radio. It's not by all that stuff. And especially for us young people, we're not listening to KHVN. We're not listening to 1040. So, so we're not listening to the uh, gospel stations. So, so our invitation has to be of a personal invitation. Even a personal invitation on Facebook is more personal than what we normally do. But we as church members cannot also pass on the other side. When we give a dollar to the homeless person, we have truly passed on the other side. Why you say that, preacher? We don't know what he's going to do with that dollar, right? Yeah. See, God is asking us to get in the life of the person. Don't be a drive-by Christian. See, I, I, you know I'm using the illustration at least once a month, maybe even uh, two weeks. Because I want to head home. Because when you have a drive-by, it shoot everybody. They don't even know who they're shooting. They hope they got the person they're shooting at. But a drive-by normally don't get that person. It get everybody else. And it, it's a waste. See, when we do drive-by Christianity, we're just kind of throwing it out there. Hope y'all love Jesus. <laughs> Hope y'all go to church. I'll see you later. God is good. He on time. You know, we do all that. That's drive-by Christianity. It is not the thing that Jesus Christ did for us. If Jesus Christ did that for us, he would never go on the cross. That's not drive-by Christianity. He would never got in the tomb. That's not drive-by Christianity. He would never have healed men and women. He would never have fed 5,000. That's not drive-by Christianity. Drive-by Christianity is me saying all we got to do as a church is open our doors up on Sunday, do a little Bible study on Tuesday, and that's it. That's drive-by Christianity. Like, what? Yes, that ain't a part-time job, babies. That's not, even, that's not even 20 hours of work. 
See, see, we give God so much little, and we think it's so big. You ain't done nothing. I'm just being really real this morning. Because see, the Levite and the priest, see, they were playing church. Too many of us have played church. We've been, you know what, I got baptized. But did you know what you're getting baptized for? You know, I love Jesus, but do you know what he done for you? Do you know your true mess? Do you know what your true story was? Will you tell others how he took you out of the crack house and put you in the right house? Will you tell other folks how you were out there? You might have been walking the streets. You might have been selling yourself. But now God has redeemed you. And he's taking what men try to abuse. And he's turning it into a success story. Will you tell folks that? See, we have to be ready to invest our lives into prostitutes. Invest our lives into drug dealers. Invest our lives into the homeless. Invest our lives into the people who ain't got nothing in their refrigerator. You know why? Because God has called us to do this. But too many times, that looks too dirty for me. But God has said, you know what? But I had somebody. I had somebody. See, I, I had the Samaritan. And you know what the Samaritan did? And I told you, it don't say nothing about no good Samaritan in this whole scripture. It said a certain Samaritan. Now, and now why, why do you use that preacher? Let's go to that scripture. Say it right there for me. See, the Samaritans were most hated by the Jews and vice versa. It would be like blacks and the, and the Ku Klux Klan getting together today. That just ain't going to work out. And the KKK came in there with their white hoods. We were all feeling uncomfortable because we know it might go down. <laughs> it's going to take one person. And it might be brought Bill Ray like, it's whatever. It's going to be somebody who's going to let them know you might want to take that sheet off and put it on the table because we're having a baby shower today if you want to help out in that fashion. <laughs> But we ain't gonna wear the hood up in here now in church. Not church. So so we come to a point where the Samaritan, so you had two Jewish folks, two Jewish leaders pass the Jewish man by, but it's the Samaritan that most hated. Who stops by and says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw the man, he took pity. Talk about he had compassion. Talk about he empathized. Talk about he had stepped into the man's shoes. See, God is asking us to have that kind of compassion. When we see, will you stop and have compassion? Have you ever stopped on the side of the road when we saw a homeless person with the sign? And I'm not saying they're all mentally there. Well, all God has to do is lay the seed. That's what he asked. When you see somebody who's out there walking the street, do you ever give them a track? Because I'm going to tell you, somebody who's walking the street is at the point of hopelessness beyond all compare. That's a real start. Have you ever talked to the young man who's dealing drugs? And you tell him, do you understand there's no old gangsters? There's not one gangster on a pension plane. They're either dead or they're in jail. But they're not free. But I know somebody who can make you free. But to empathize is to say, but brother, I understand what it means. I want the Jaguar too. I want the nice things too. But I know I have a God that's going to bless me with my needs daily. These things, they will take all the stuff from you. And it will beat you down in the system. Won't you let it go?
See, God is asking us to have that kind of, that kind of intentional walk, that kind of intentional invitation. And so this Samaritan, he, he, he was most hated. He came and, and, and he said, you know, I got compassion on the Jewish man. Go to my next slide. See, because he had compassion, that's when he became a hero. See, he was just a Samaritan before. But when he had that compassion and he was going to take action, he became a hero. When we go to that next, that next, he says he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Now, now understand, the man was beaten halfway dead, right? They took everything that he had. They took even his clothes. So what does this mean? That means that the Samaritan had to give in his own bag, of his own clothes, of his own resources, and bandage him. God is asking us, don't look at other folks. What are they going to do? They better do something first. I ain't going to do nothing. God is saying, let me bless you and take care of that. But what I need you to do, will you give all your resources to help? Will you be my living testimony to those who are lost? And then as we did, you have, you have been to a, a place where they only give you a little bit of the drink? They don't want to pour you the whole drink? They pour you like a little swallow and then put, if you, I, I, anytime I go to the fast food place, I always say give me light ice. You know why? Because they don't what? Fill it up with ice. <laughs> Fill it up. You got a 32 ounce cup, but it's really 10 ounces of juice up in there. Well, the rest of the time, you're just drinking water. What am I trying to say? The natural person of us, we want to dab it. You get a little dab, you have a little something. This man said, I poured my wine out. Why did he pour the wine? The wine was to be kind of like alcohol. It was to clean the wounds. See, he's taking a real interest. He said, I'm going to bandage him up. I'm going to clean the wounds out with my own wine. Now, the oil was supposed to loosen up the muscles. So he's out there. He's cleaning him up. And then what he do? He said, then I'm going to put him on my own donkey. See, the man was so beaten down. He was so beaten down, he couldn't walk. Do you understand the world is out here right now? They are so beaten down, they cannot walk. You cannot walk truly if you don't have Christ Jesus. And he said, I'm going to put you on my own donkey, on my own beast. And he brought him to an end. Now, I don't know about you, but that, he, he already spent some of his resources, right? He's, he's, he's poured a little oil. He took some of his clothes, bandaged him up. And now he's taking him to the end. And he took care of him. First of all, there's no end that's going to let you come in free. I don't care if you want to go Motel 6 or, or Paradise Inn. You all going to have to pay something by day or hour. Whatever you're going to choose, you're going to pay something at the end. And so he had to pay at this motel. He had to pay. He took care of him. Now what does that mean? Then the next day, he took care of him all night. This man was traveling. He had an agenda. See, sometimes we let our agendas dictate and not God dictate. See, he had an agenda. He had business to do down in Jericho. And, and it can be told from the rest of this story right here. Because he had to do something the next day. But he postponed what he had that day. And said, God's business is right now. And so, I'm going to hold my agenda and be on God's divine agenda. See, too many times we are running down Jericho's road, not paying attention who's there. Maybe seeing somebody, but say, I have an agenda. You know, I'm late to church. I'm late to this. I'm late to that. But you're always late. I, I got some church members that I ain't never seen on time. It's all right. <laughs> but God's saying, you're going to be late. Pick up a brother. 
See, bring them to the end. Bring them to the church house. You're going to be late. Have some show for the lateness. See, don't, don't be late because you were on a selfish agenda. Be late because you were on a divine agenda. Be late because you were bringing someone who was broken down, beaten down, put aside, left for dead. Bring them to church. Now, sometimes you got to bring some folks to church. You can't just invite some folks. Some folks you got to pick up on your car. Put them in your car. Close the doors. Take the belt in and bring them to church. Why? Because they weren't going to come anyway. But you had to bring them to church. There are some folks in our lives like that. And God wants us to take a personal invitation. There's some folks in this community, you're going to have to knock on their door. And like, baby, I'm here for to take you to church. You're going to have to walk them to the church house right here and walk them in. That's what we're going to have to do. We got to get that personally invested. We got to get that. We, some of us got to text somebody in the morning. Like, hey, I, I know last time you said your alarm clock wasn't on. So I'm texting you and now I'm about to call you. I want to invite you to church. You're like, well, that might annoy them. Baby, you got the cure for death. Do, do you understand that this business is serious? They might not have tomorrow promise. They might not have this afternoon promise. While you saying, I might annoy them. They up and die, they in a pit of hell. Now what kind of annoyance they have? But you worry about, I might annoy them. God is calling us to bring them into the church house to welcome in. You don't have to save nobody, but sometimes you got to bring the harvest in by yourself. And so we hear he takes care of them. Then the next day he took out to the Nara. Now why is that important, preacher? Because if it was a low-end motel, that means he paid for two months for him to be taken care of by the innkeeper. If it was a High end, it was one month. This man put aside his agenda and then said, you know what? I'm going to pay for this man to be here to get well. See, how much of us got that invested? And this is the other thing. He said, now I want you to look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, I don't know about you, but we, you know there's some crooked innkeepers. There's some crooked hotel managers. They put all kinds of uh, charges on your stuff. He said, you can charge me all you want. But I'm going to, whatever the extra expense, I'm going to take care of that. If we're in a low-end motel and I've been taking care of the man for two months, if you got some more expensive than that, I'm going to take care of him. God is asking us as a church, take care of him. See, we have this divine blessing. We got all this blessing. We got all this guidance. But all we being a true lighthouse and telling other folks about him. God is wondering, will you really be a hero? See, this man became a hero because he took care of the business of God when God called him to do it. He didn't worry about what people would say. He didn't worry about, well, you know I can't be with you. You know I don't want everybody to see us together. He didn't worry about all that. He was worried about this man becoming whole again in God. Are we worried, church, about those who are lost, those who are broken down, those who may have been in church, but now they outside the church and they have been broken down by society. Are we worried enough to say, I will invest the next two months of my life into your life. And if there's any extra, I'm going to take care of that too. Do we have friends that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And have we told them about Jesus? We would tell somebody about a deal at, uh, about shoes. If DSW was selling $10 pumps, and it was what, what, the uh, 9 West, BCBG? 
You know, if it was one of those, and they were and Dylan was selling that for ten dollars, <laughs> we'll tell everybody. If at the Exxon over here they were selling gas for a dollar, won't we tell everybody? They're selling gas for a dollar. Everybody, it'll be a big line. You got to kill for death. Why you not telling anybody? You just don't have to kill for death. You got the the, the person that's a resource for your daily needs. He just don't show on you when you die. He's in your life daily. So why not share the good news? See, the good news is for folks in bad situations. God, Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to say the righteous. You righteous, go on about your business. I came to say the unrighteous. Just like a doctor don't heal the healthy, he come to heal the sick. That's what I came to do. He is calling us to be heroes, to stay in the gap for those that have given up who have broken down. And so we come to this point. We come to the point. God is calling us to be heroes. The first thing that we got to understand, I can. See, when we get into the I can, this is the thing about I can. I can. That means I have the ability to do this. See, I want you to say, can everybody say, I can. I can. Say, I say one more time, I can. I can. See, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. See, I can. I can have the victory. I have the ability to overcome all these obstacles because I'm in Christ Jesus. I can. Now, when we go from I can, see, when you're a hero, you go from the I can. Now, now I, got, I got the ability. We go to the I will. Now, see, the I will means I'm going to make an action. See, I have the ability, but now I'm going to make the action. See, I can invite somebody to church. Say, I can invite somebody to church. I can pick somebody up and bring them to church. I can walk them to church. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, but Christ Jesus said you can do it all, and I'm going to give you the strength to do it. Now, I will, because this is me submitting my life to Christ Jesus. See, I will do your will, Lord. See, he says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. If God has saved me and freed me, why should I tell the other prisoners what's going on? Uh, if, the, if my chains been falling off of me, he's been breaking my chains. Why should I tell the others? There's some more breaking chains going back there too. You might want to know about this Jesus. So I got to go from the I can to the I will. Then we go to the last. I must. Say, I can, I, can. I, will. I will, I must. I can, I, 